Welcome to the Influencer Marketing Blueprint, where we teach e-commerce brands the three-step formula that drives revenue, not just likes. I'm Cody Woodick. And I'm Taylor Lagasse, and we're here to guide you to influencer marketing success. Let's get started. What's up, man? Hi, Taylor. Hey, Cody. I missed you, man. How's everything yeah. been? It's been, been a while. A while. Yeah, oh. Jinx. Give me my soda, damn it. <laughs> All right, so today we're talking about influencer marketing for dummies. We're going to break it down real stupid for people. Um, Thank God. Yeah, so what the hell is it? The history of influencer marketing, jump into some context, and then also what is influencer marketing, what's an influencer, different names for influencers, traditional model of how brands work with creators and then we'll end with kind of the current landscape well what's the history man where do we start give me my lesson i'm gonna re-watch this and re-listen to this podcast i'm gonna need it <laughs> the history of influence marketing what i would just say is that influencer marketing has always been around we've just never called it influencer up until around 2014 so you've heard this parallel before where I've kind of painted the picture of in the 90s, it was Michael Jordan on a TV commercial. That was kind of like the only time that you saw him outside of him playing on TV. But now you see influencers all the time in many different avenues, usually through social media, right? But before that, even going back in the day, it's, you know, these actors, celebrities that are endorsing products in magazines like John Wayne and Camel cigarettes, your favorite. Barbara Red Guy. And yeah, so I mean, you, you can go on and on and on. Uh, I'm pretty sure we put out a blog on this back in the day. Just Gladiators, man, in yeah, Rome. Yeah, Pushing exactly. peddling olive oil. So yeah, the what I would say is just the mediums have changed. Yeah. So is there any other context that you would add to kind of the history? Yeah, I mean, it'd just be kind of interesting to chat through what what were those mediums, right? Like with MJ, it's commercials and mm-hmm. you know in-person activations. With the gladiators, it's obviously them, you know, defeating someone in in the arena and pouring olive oil on themselves. But outside of that, <laughs> I know, did what, that Friday. What canola oil? Wow, <laughs> definitely not. Step Brothers reference, but yeah, I mean, what was that prior to social media? Obviously, being the <laughs> current one that we're really using as the medium you know outside of commercials what was like the last one just to talk about and chat through what brought us here to today what's the last medium that we've been using yeah well not the one that we use but like just prior to to social media i guess oh i I would say tv was like one of the biggest ones tv newspaper yeah yeah magazines too billboards yeah billboards billboards then you have the internet and whatnot. Right, right. I think, yeah, but those weren't owned. Well, I guess none of these are owned necessarily. But you start seeing ESPN.com or things like that nature, like other internet websites where influencers yeah. live. But so we see in in 2014, influencer marketing is not really a search term until then like on Google trends on Google search history, like it's never even searched until 2014 and paired with that was the rise of Instagram and social media just in general. 
And so that's kind of what changed the nature and brought about influence marketing to such a massive industry. Hence why we're doing this podcast and why we have an agency and why there's thousands of influence marketing agencies is just the rise of social social media because the the mediums gave incredible access into those we trust and we'll get into what an influencer is. But those we we look to and follow and even following somebody on social media has become uh, such an easy thing. We get incredible access in their lives. So LeBron James Talker Tuesday with his family in his kitchen, you know, showing his whole family at the dinner table. Like you just didn't see that 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, right. You so had no the, the Kardashian show that right. everyone just watches. <laughs> right. And it's also the draw, like probably why Michael Jordan, even this is going down heavy into sports, but the last dance series was like right. so revelatory for a lot of people because they're just giving more access that no one had ever seen before because he was such this like god of a figure but and social media didn't exist so right. yeah exactly right so there's no instagram stories there's no like and i guess we could argue i don't know if mj would be doing that stuff anyways but, but it's, a, it's a good point though like if lebron james came out with a documentary in 20 years it wouldn't touch mj's documentary because i mean if we're being honest LeBron James is a little OD on social media as it is <laughs> with the amount of content that he pushes uh, of his like daily life. But yeah. it just goes to show like that's the draw and allure of the Bulls documentary and MJ because we just never had that visibility. So LeBron James documentary in 20 years, I don't think would not touch this stuff with the Bulls because of that. Right. So like I said, the social media rise and specifically Instagram, I would argue, changed a lot of things and brought about influence marketing became to be people on social media alone and having massive followings became created sort of this term. So hmm. I guess that would be my question is like for you, Taylor, is like, what is an influencer? I'm sure you've gotten that from family and friends. Like what is what is an influencer? What is influence marketing? Well, so for, I, I'm curious, just on the Instagram front, and I'll get to that question, but people may be listening and curious, you know, Instagram wasn't the first social media platform. So if social media brought the rise of influencer, why wasn't it Facebook? Why wasn't it Twitter? You know, why wasn't these other platforms that seemed to get bigger prior to, to Instagram? Maybe you just say Facebook. Why, why not Facebook? Because that's kind of like the mothership that people typically look to. I think before Facebook acquired Instagram, Facebook was almost similar to Twitter because it was a lot of text heavy and Instagram really brought in photo and eventually obviously video, but photo specifically and it was more visual. So it kind of set the trend of you could see the products that certain people were endorsing. You could see their house or car or things of that nature. I know it's hard to think about probably now because Facebook was, is so like, they're so synonymous now, Facebook and Instagram. But at least that's what I would say is that that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? It's a great question. That's why I had, I asked it. I, I don't really off the top. I mean, just thinking about Instagram really, it's kind of like TikTok right now, right? People had the ability to grow at a very rapid rate. And so I think TikTok's also bringing in this flood 
of new creators because they see an opportunity to put out content, potentially make a living out of it, go viral. It's a very like exciting things and brings potential. So Instagram also did that, right? They had that golden age where, you know, now the social algorithm is limited to reach 10% of their audience and they're not able to grow at such a rapid rate. So I think Instagram's former algorithm provided an opportunity for people. Chronological. Right. Just put out a ton, like put out content, grow rapidly, potentially make a living. And it's it's like really fun. I mean, that's where we're at with TikTok right now. I think Mm -hmm. Instagram was the first to present that opportunity to creators, to influencers. You're seeing it now with TikTok. I think that's where you really saw people flood into influencer marketing as creators, as influencers for the first time. Obviously just a hypothesis, but it's cool to see that it's happening again and curious to see what the next platform is. So what is an influencer? Well, there's multiple definitions there. It depends who you're talking to. For us, I would say, and chime in, influencers are people that can create great video content at the end of the day. So influencers and creators become somewhat synonymous, at least in the way that we define it. We're going to be able to redistribute that content outside of just the audience that they own far better than they could. So we're very much so valuing that first and foremost in influencers. And that's how we're really defining them, just quality video content creators. But as like a definition at large of how the market defines it, I mean, a social media influencer is someone with a following that's dedicated to them, that trusts them, that looks to them for advice in life on products. Everyone listening to this is probably what they care about most. Brands, who to buy from, who not to buy from. And that's their owned audience that they have clout over that they are able to promote and push messages in front of that will trust them. So that's what we would define an influencer. But the way that we look to influencers that we want to identify and work with are people that are creators, quote unquote, that create quality video content, but probably missed something there. So fill in the, fill in the blanks. (laughs) No, I mean, I would just say it's anyone with a social media following. That's kind of like the broadest definition. I talk too much. The basic question of just who, like how much social media following do you have to have? Because now we've seen anyone with above a thousand pretty much is considered an influencer. But what you're saying is like getting to, yeah, what what you're getting to is, is people that actually have, for lack of a better word, influence over an audience. They don't just have a following. You bring Um, up a good, you bring up a good point there too. Like that's where the terms micro, nano, mid-tier, macro, celebrity, what the hell does that all mean? Yeah. I mean, those are a million definitions too. Uh, We have our own definitions. They're much more broad just because there's, there shouldn't be a lot of stock and follower account. Why? Um, What? What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've seen fake followers. We've seen them, just them. I mean, we've talked, we've touched on this a little bit, but just valuing them as a distribution channel so be, should be much lower on the totem pole. So that means their audience size yeah. isn't really as effective or important. But in terms of just buckets of people, nanos are typically under 10,000, I believe, 1 to 10,000. And then micros, 10,000 and above, we would say 10 to 150. And then you have mid-tier, 150 to 500 ish. 
and people break it down even more. Um, and then you have your macros that are above 500 or maybe a million and then celebrities a million plus, but calling a influencer above a million followers, a celebrity when I've never heard of them is probably a stretch. So confusing. I think we would, defi- we would define celebrities as more of someone that you can actually, totally it's a recognizable name. Exactly. Taylor like say, but so you brought up, you brought up creators, like, there's also different names out there. I think that creates some confusion yeah. for people. Like uh, these are influencers and then people try to be like somewhat novel and say like, no, we're calling them content creators. And then we have, you know, ambassadors, there's affiliates out there um, that people use as synonymous. Could you shed some light on maybe the differences or lack of differences for those names? Yeah. You know what kind of reminds me of it, it kind of reminds me of like when ad agencies started going like from we're not an ad agency we're a sales agency, you know, like just changing the terminology, uh, CTC. Yeah, like, right, right, exactly. <laughs> and you no, know, it's smart. It, it's smart because what they realized is like a lot of people got wronged by ad agencies. A lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth from ad agencies. And so we need to recreate, you know, this narrative around what works like we're an ad agency. We're not just an ad agency that's going to come in and, you know, just hustle you and we're not, you're not going to see any performance and we're still going to take your money. And again, you're going to have a bad taste. We're a sales agency. We're going to prove it out through the performance, the revenue we're driving. So it's just like rewriting this narrative because a lot of people within that market had a bad taste in their mouth with, ad agencies. So in a very similar way, when it comes to influencer marketing, when people think about influencers, a lot of the time when you bring it up, you're like, oh, you're a scumbag. Like (laughs) you're an influencer Mm -hmm. marketing. When I did that, like this agent charged me a hundred thousand and I got three purchases from it. Like what the hell? And it's just this bad taste in their mouth. Um, So what you see is a lot of people recreating that into, oh no, we're creators. Um, because what actually is proven to lend itself to performance and the value in influencer marketing, what we've touched on is video content. Influencers are the best video content creators, and that's the biggest value add that they provide. So instead of identifying with them themselves with this word where a lot of brands have, you know, a bad memory and a bad taste in their mouth, they are now going by quote unquote creators because that's where the value lies and they want to separate themselves from that bad taste. That's a hypo- that's my personal subjective opinion, but yeah. what are your what are your thoughts on that, C-Dub? Yeah, I would say people that are trying to change the term, I was more so thinking of like agencies that are trying to not call themselves influence marketing agencies. Right. Like we're an influence marketing agency, right? Like we could be try to be like <laughs> your former agency changing it from an ad agency to a sales agency. Like I think part of those things were smart, but for us, for sure, I've always had the opinion of we want to change what influence marketing and what it looks like in people's minds and brands and their perception of influence marketing, even if it is bad. 100%. Because um, I think you can always play that game. You're always trying to like, gravitate towards what's a good thought instead of a bad thought in people's minds about influence marketing. Right. Um, but I think I would say the simple answer is like creators are synonymous content creators and influencers are synonymous. 
I would say ambassadors are different in the sense that they consistently represent your brand over time and they're usually under contract is what I would say. Mm-hmm. So there's a consistency there that there's, I mean, if you think of the word ambassador uh, from just a government perspective, like they go represent the country for a long period of time before they're reelected or changed out. Right. Um, there's more of a close knit relationship so, and commitment to one another. Exactly. But sometimes ambassadors is also used synonymously with affiliates as well. And, and, but I would say ambassadors doesn't necessarily mean that they're on an affiliate program. So what's, what's the order of operations there? Like, what would you say the levels? There's levels to this. We can bring in that rap song right there. Um, but what would you say, like influencer, affiliate, ambassador, you know, what is the order of operations there and how you, you know, build relationships with with these people? Well, I, I guess it would start out as an influencer and before they became an investor in terms of like the semantics of it, mm-hmm. if they were going to become a long-term partner. Right. Right. And I guess so but, for us, that obviously looks like seeding and then they post like, like do they become an ambassador right after that? Like they posted about us or what does that look like? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. There's no like, I guess, formula for uh, if they were to, post after you know if you the brand sent the product out seeded the product and they posted one time i want to consider them all of a sudden an ambassador but if you want to consistently work with them and then hence why i I threw in like they're typically under contract so whether Mm -hmm. it's through an affiliate con like deal or ugc or you you have some sort of giveaways consistently or whatever the case may be it's under contract or or even as so far as to say like we had halo ambassadors that were on our website that were like consistent faces so people knew like oh this is our ambassador team and that's where a lot of people see it on their website as well they see it on brands websites of here's their ambassador list here's igloos ambassadors and those people are definitely under contract if they're on their website right hopefully (laughs) you hope so but yeah we would assume so yeah so de- defining what an influencer is and kind of going over like the different names, but what is like influencer marketing? Like we're an influencer marketing agency, but before defining that, like what is actually influencer marketing or just how you would define it? Influencer marketing is a channel working with humans. First and foremost, I think this is something that you quickly need to understand. Uh, this is the only channel working with humans and that entails a different approach and how you um, execute that strategy uh, within that lane, within that channel. So that's one. Um, But what is it? Influencer marketing is a way where you're working with influencers, creators, ambassadors, all of the above affiliates to bring your product to the people, to the masses. Um, That can be through organic, where you you have people consistently, influencers consistently spreading the good news, spreading the word around your product through the content that they're posting on their social media platforms organically. Uh, And then where we also would say the other side of the coin is we're consistently tapping on such people as quote unquote creative agencies to supplement, you know, our own channels with ongoing supply of creative and content, video content to supplement channels like Facebook ads, TikTok ads, all of the above, really. So that's how I would define influencer marketing and how uh, we bring it to life. But again, first and foremost, this is a channel where you're working with humans 
as your representatives, um, as your flag bearers. And so you need to approach in a different way where you're building these authentic and genuine relationships with them in order to win. But again, I know I filled, I have gaps there. So please, how else would you, would you add to that? So, so what is, no, I think that was a great definition. What is the traditional model then of like, so we've talked about the history, what defined what an influencer is, what is influencer marketing. So let's go back to 2014 when influencer marketing became a search term. People were searching it. Like, what were they doing? Why were they, why were they searching it? Like every other channel, you know, brands. Right. So what does that look like? Throw money at it, throw money at it, throw money at it. And what is that? It's paying people to post, you know, it's that one off drug. Cody always says like people, Cody always says people need to stop treating influencer marketing like a one off drug. And what that means is just tapping on if Cody has a hundred thousand followers and we pay him to post and he doesn't work. Okay. On to the next one. Taylor has, of course, less followers. We tap on him and <laughs> he doesn't work. Okay. We both activated them on. I bought, I bought mine. So oh, thank God. I knew it. Yeah. Thanks for telling me. And they were both on Instagram. <laughs> that didn't work. So now we're going to go try some YouTube influencers. It's just like paying people in a very right. transactional way that lends itself to inauthentic content, disingenuous relationships, and really people that aren't product adopters and genuine brand ambassadors. So it's not really the formula for success, uh, I would say, with the former model here. To be fair, though, that worked for a while, right? The former model, and to be fair, I mean, if we're being even more fair, like you still hear of the case studies, right? But just because there's still case studies doesn't mean mm-hmm. there's a be- there isn't a better way. And where there's a better way, it becomes the former model. So we're not here saying like, if you go pay for posts, there's no way you're not going to get ROI because I can just hear the trolls. I pay, you know, I use $100,000 per month on influencers and I pay them to post and I never seeded them product and I'm getting a $300,000 return. What do you mean? Tunes out. If that's the case, we're making the case. We think you can make $500,000, a million dollars. There's just a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just trying to, because... Uh, I mean, it it rose and became a search term because people, like we already touched on the algorithms on Instagram, for example, were not, were different. The engagement was higher and it was a new novel thing, much like TikTok is right now, where you're seeing and hearing about these videos that go viral and get all this attribution for sales. I think, yeah, it, it's a unique time that will not last on TikTok because it certainly didn't on Instagram, but that it, it, people are like, what is this? Like, okay. So all I have to do is pay this one person that grew their following by just putting out incredible photos. And I'm going to get sales like to exactly your point. So it just created this, the drug of, Oh, it worked. It worked again. And I was part of that. Like I was addicted to that drug. So like it was just, it consistently worked like what you're kind of hinting at. And that's how the traditional model of how brands worked with creators. And we already touched on that too, with your background, my background of working with agents or you working at an agency. So what's, what's the current landscape? Is that change at all? Is that, I would like to think so, you know, uh, people more and more are buying into, you know, building these relationships on giving and not asking right away in a transactional way. Uh, I still don't think it is the way that's generally adopted or accepted. 
I very much so still think people are still playing in that pay for post model where it is very transactional still, where they are going to an agency and with a set talent roster of influencers that they're paying to activate for social media posts on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok, and then they're hoping for a return. And if it works, they spend more money with that person and continue to try to find additional people. But yeah, what would you say is the current landscape on your end? Well, I think there's been a lot more creativity on how people work with influencers compared to what we keep saying of like the 2014 days of just paying people for posts. So I think to be fair, that obviously is still going on and people are still just beating their head against the wall, trying to make it work when it's usually not. But there's a lot more, you know, you see these usually massive influencers like launching brands or like co-launching with brands as equity. I think you see influencers actually have like more of a role within the company and they're actually the ones that are recruiting other influencers to be a part of the company. Like I think people have definitely gotten creative with it. Right. So that's more of part of the current landscape. And there's also other platforms like we keep mentioning TikTok and YouTube was, I mean, pre-Instagram, but I think you've seen the rise of YouTubers and YouTube being a competitive TV network, if you will, basically, or if not more sure. of a TV network. So those are kind of some of the things I was thinking about as you were talking. Um, what you just said made me think about the latest episode of uh, Winning Time with uh, Phil Knight offering that deal to Magic for those shoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, the guy missed out on like a, a, a smooth <laughs> billion. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, no, it's good. But, though. That's good. Well, this sets the stage for a lot of what we're going to be talking about, everybody, on influencer marketing, answering some core questions, getting to strategies that we would recommend, but also um, what we're seeing in the industry, our own journeys, failures, uh, what we're learning within the market as we service our clients, but also, more importantly, trying to service uh, the listeners and you guys. And so... Hopefully this was helpful in terms of setting the stage on the current landscape, history of influencer marketing, answering some kind of influencer marketing for dummies book uh, episode. And um, we'll be talking more and more about this channel. So hopefully it's a, it's a reference episode of going back into, if you've stumbled upon this podcast and an episode where you can get some quick definitions and what we're currently talking about, because we definitely, uh, need to break it down more and more um, since we're in the industry. Any last words? Go after yourself, San Diego. Ron Burgundy. Right on. All right, that's all for today. If you'd like some help developing your influence marketing campaign, go ahead and DM us on Twitter. Links are in the description. Or you can head to kinship.co to learn more and you can book a call there. That's K-Y-N-S-H-I-P dot C-O. At Kinship.co, you also find tools, templates, and resources, all designed to help you grow an influencer campaign that drives visibility and sales, not just likes. Thanks for tuning in, as always, and we'll see you next week.